0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per
2: line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: is currently 6-13, and we're off to a rainy start on this already Wednesday morning. 100% chance for showers pretty much through noon, and then it tapers off. By the afternoon and cools off again, highs today of only about 52 degrees. That's going to be around 3 o'clock this afternoon, so it'll be another chilly day. And then looking ahead beyond that, dry tomorrow, highs of 56, rainy again on Friday, 100% chance for showers. Then highs of 62, dries out for Kings Day, highs of 59 then. And when the Saints beat the Falcons in the Dome on Sunday, very pleasant, highs of 62 and nothing but sunshine. Aaron Dusso joins us now, Associate Professor Chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Has your new name kicked in at the university yet or not? <laughs> I think officially it kicks in in June, but okay. uh, most of us were using it already. And that new name is? IUI, Indianapolis
2: University, Indianapolis.
1: That makes a, a lot easier to say. Tell me about the latest polls with... Joe Biden and his approval rating, President Joe Biden, I don't want to get anybody mad here, and as it stands now.
2: Yeah, I, Joe Biden continues to hang around his, you know, kind of all-time low, right around that uh, 40%, 38 to 40% kind of uh, approval rating, which is historically low, although seems to be standard now since the, uh, Trump took office back in uh, 2016.
1: So that's interesting when you say that. What do the numbers show about that?
2: Well, I mean, so historically, this would be a catastrophe, and Joe Biden would have no chance of uh, winning re-election, but – it seems to be the case, a new normal for us, uh, since certainly uh, in the middle of Trump's uh, uh, you know, administration that we have a president that sits in these low 40s to around 40% approval rating, yet seems to be you know, still a viable candidate. Obviously, Trump seems like he's going to win uh, uh, the, you know, the Republican primary. And Joe Biden's uh, the Democratic Party has done well in elections in, in 2023 and in 2022, much better than uh, his low approval ratings would suggest.
1: So let's work back from that, Aaron. What, what does that tell us about the changes in the nation, the changes in the hierarchy of the parties, changes in donors, changes in um, political philosophy of the country, et cetera?
2: Well, I mean, certainly this disconnect between the, uh, the president's approval rating and actual election results, that really suggests that people are voting on something else. Um, and I think particularly when it comes to Democratic voters, they're willing to turn out. Uh, they're not disillusioned by a 40 percent uh, approval rating for their president. They're actually showing up. And I think, you know, certainly in 2023, we had a lot of uh, abortion ballot measures uh, that seem to drive turnout. And so we have an issue like abortion that that seems to us energized a base that is completely separate from how you feel about the president.
1: So is ideology becoming greater than the candidate or has it always been that way? I mean,
2: I, I think it's more of a single issue in this case, and you know, a combination between not only abortion but your opinion of Trump uh, is is driving it. It's much more than you know your opinion of Biden, uh, and I think that's going to be the case uh, going forward in twenty twenty four. It's about Donald Trump and what you feel about him that's going to drive turnout. I mean, we've had historic turnout in twenty twenty, which is the you know, highest turnout in hundred years, and that's got to be Donald Trump.
1: So his, so I guess historically looking at it. Are Democrats voting against Trump and are – let's start there. Are Democrats voting against Trump and not necessarily for Biden, or is it about pro-life, pro-choice?
2: I, well, I think it's two things. It's the first, they're voting against Donald Trump. Donald Trump energizes the Democratic Party uh, like no one else has, uh, at least since uh, Obama back in 08, Uh, And then second, there is an issue that is actually a kind of a cross-cutting issue for uh, even many Republicans uh, that, uh, you know, having abortion access uh, for them. And so there's a chance that they're going to turn and and actually vote against the Republican Party. Now, not a huge chance, but it's a a cross-cutting issue that is a majority of America would support the abortion access.
1: So on the Republican side, are people voting for Trump or against Biden?
2: On the Republican side, they're definitely voting for Trump and their party. Uh, Trump still energizes, has a strong support within the Republican Party, and can, you know is continuing to consolidate that as we speak. Uh, in, in you know, so those voters are definitely going out, and certainly these primary voters that we're going to watch over the next couple of months, they are going to vote and support Donald Trump.
1: So I see, and we'll get back to that in a second about the primary process and so forth. I see that uh, Steve Scalise had come out and endorsed. Donald Trump's uh, Donald Trump did not endorse Steve Scalise to be the speaker of the House when all that was going on. And Steve Scalise has been as loyal to Donald Trump as attached to the hip with Donald Trump as anybody could possibly be. Um, How much power does Trump wield? Over the Republican Party and people perhaps, and I'm not saying this about Steve Scalise, Steve Scalise could certainly, you know, agree with President Trump and, and, and think he's the best candidate and so forth. But what is going on with Republicans in, in, as it relates to being afraid of Trump, not wanting to get on the wrong side of his, him or his supporters, et cetera?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still the single biggest dominant force within the Republican Party, uh, you know, without question. And staying on his good side, when it particularly with uh, scares, essentially, members of Congress and that, is during primaries. They do not want to be challenged during primaries because a lot of them are in safe districts and they don't have to worry about the general election. But to have a primary opponent that's, say, endorsed by Donald Trump could be a big problem for them. And so what we've seen over, certainly over the last month, there's been uh, four or five uh, uh, Republican senators that are plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and
0: taxes and fees may vary
2: baseball is in full swing NBA playoffs are
1: heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp listen to the latest on the teams you love
0: here on the Odyssey app
2: Uh, you know, kind of senators that have endorsed Trump. So they're, you know, we see this kind of falling in line. And even, you know, the candidates, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, they have just been really reticent to criticize Donald Trump directly. They'll do it indirectly. Uh, Nikki Haley's had some criticism recently just of him not showing up to uh, to these uh, uh, debates. But by and large, they're not attacking him the way that you would expect someone to attack their primary opponent. Uh, and so it's clear that they're scared.
1: Yeah. Um... Is that a radical change? Is that, And I know Trump is a different character completely and totally when it comes to politics that, that and I guess Aaron that's accurate that this is something that political scientists have not seen before, this whole Trump phenomenon.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, having this kind of strength and control over a party, where even your opponents within the party seem to be really scared to attack you directly and publicly—that uh, that's definitely new. Uh, at least in the you know political science post World War II, as you know, started using data to really you know answer questions, we haven't seen anything like this. This is a person, one man who has a real control over that party.
1: And you talked about um, the incumbents. Being afraid to go against Trump because they would face primary challengers that were in support of Trump, what what has the record been so far of candidates that uh, incumbents that opposed Trump, then faced primaries? Did they lose?
2: Well, lots of times what they do is they'll start to face. Uh a serious challenger, and then they'll drop out. and So so our numbers can be skewed in that way. But uh, Trump doesn't have a very good record in the general election necessarily of his endorsements, but he does have a strong record. And, you know, the mega movement in general has a strong record uh, in primaries and basically either winning or just scaring off candidates. All
1: right, let's take a break. We'll pick it up. Here we come back. We are in our presidential election year, the Iowa caucuses. Um About a week and something away, Aaron Duso, our guest, associate professor and chair of the Department of Political Science at IUI, uh, Indianapolis. Tell me again, Aaron? Uh, Indiana University, Indianapolis. Indiana University, Indianapolis. I got it. It's 621 traffic now, WWL. 625 and a half. Tommy Tucker, WWL. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday morning, January 3rd. I guess we can still say Happy New Year. Aaron Dusso, our guest, our friend, associate professor and chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University, Indianapolis, IUI. You guys play football? No,
2: we do not have a football team, but we do play basketball. There you go. <laughs> I'm just thinking about
1: some New Jerseys. Um, right. So let's talk about um, the, the issues in the primary process. And here's what I'm getting at, Aaron. We hear about, you know, aid to Ukraine, aid to Israel, the economy. But ultimately, does it come down to the people during the primary process, Trump supporters on a Republican side, that are going to get out and vote for him, so he's going to wind up being the candidate, despite whatever's going on with the economy, despite whatever's going on with Israel, despite whatever's going on? Are all of those things only, I hate to say noise, but... In the background, while Trump and his persona, his personality, that's the main thing upon which people are going to make up their minds when it comes to voting on the Republican side and on the Democratic side, is it about the person that has the best chance to beat Trump if you oppose him?
2: I think you're exactly right on the uh, when it comes to Trump and the Republicans. It's just about Trump and how you feel about Trump. And as Trump continues to win, ultimately I think Republicans will fall in line. Uh, on the Democratic side, it's, there's not really another challenger. And so I think a lot of uh, Democrats are, would maybe like to see someone else, a uh, uh, challenger to Biden or someone else, take the mantle. But when you have a sitting president running for reelection, you just don't challenge them in any real serious way unless they step aside voluntarily. So for the Democrats, it's hold your nose and vote for them no matter what.
1: Have there been polls done on potential Democrats against Trump?
2: Well, certainly there's. Well, I mean, most of the polls are against different, you know, Republicans versus Biden. They're hitting right. a ton of polling uh, that has other potential Democrats, you know, names in there because you know few people actually believe it's possible.
1: Because if not him, who? Right. Right.
2: Exactly. I, that would be. I would like to see that primary, but uh, I don't know uh, who that would be.
1: So, with the Republican primaries, what's likely to happen? You got the Iowa caucus first, then New Hampshire. How long is this likely to be a contest, not just in terms of delegates, but as it relates to potential challenges with um, DeSantis and Haley and Christie and Ramaswamy? I saw him on TV yesterday. At what point do they realize the writings on the wall and then either try to get in Trump's good graces or just realize that it's a lost cause?
2: Usually this is going to be done by the end of New Hampshire, and I would think that that would be the same this year, although you still have this wild card with it comes to his uh, legal challenges and what's going to happen there. So I would expect that, you know, at least Haley uh, who seems to be pulling stronger and pulling ahead, uh, certainly way ahead in New Hampshire of uh, DeSantis and might, you know, squeak out a win and a win in second place. That's a win for Haley uh, in Iowa that she might hang around uh, to see if something happens. And because, If Trump, for whatever reason, has to step aside, um, who's going to pick up the mantle if everyone's out of the race at that point? So a lot of this is just we've got to hang around and see what happens.
1: And why would he have to step aside?
2: Well, (laughs) that's the question, because even if he's in jail, it probably doesn't have to step aside. And the only thing that could really force him out would be the Republican Party leadership themselves at the state level and you know just forcing him off the ballot. Theoretically, I guess you have uh, states that have been already moving to a removal from the ballot based on the 14th Amendment, um, but it, I don't see Republican states doing that at all. And even most Democrats, except for you know uh, Colorado and Maine, have been uh, willing to say, yeah, he, he can stay on the ballot. So. It's probably nothing's going to force him off, and he's probably going to be running, and he's probably going to be—you know—we're going to see him, uh, you know, likely go through these trials and probably face some serious you know, problems.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking because I don't know that the Republican, any Republican, would have the stones to try to challenge him, would they?
2: No, I I, I do not think that would happen at all from within the party, uh, unless you get a, somehow a, a vote. Swell for Haley that you know somehow she's able to win New Hampshire. I don't see that happening, but if she was to win New Hampshire, then she's a serious challenger going into February, where we still have the you know Michigan, Nevada primaries, and then and then Super Tuesday, which theoretically then it's a real battle. But I don't see that happening. I would predict Trump's going to win both uh, Iowa and New Hampshire pretty easily.
1: And if she does win in New Hampshire, then Lord help her because then Trump's coming. Full steam ahead, right?
2: <laughs> no question. He's already put about $3 million in ads against her. Uh, and if she would actually, you know, come close or win in New Hampshire, yeah, that's going to be full barrel for her.
1: Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate your time. Aaron Dusso, Associate Professor Chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University, Indianapolis. We come back, we'll talk about real estate with Arthur Sturbko, 630. Time for WWL First News.